flags for being in a cult and what can we possibly learn from Mars Hill. Welcome to the 6060 podcast. First of all, I just want to thank you for tuning into this bonus episode as we approach the festive season of Christmas. Your continued support and faithfulness in tuning into all the episodes are very much appreciated and we hope you continue to join you with us for as long as the Lord would allow us to run this podcast. The reason for approaching this unusual topic is because of recent reports within the last two or three weeks or so of a Korean cult known as Shintronji, hopefully I pronounced that right, or in English it translates to the new heaven and earth. It had been reportedly preying on or seeking out students in the area of London to, to, join, to join the church, um, displaying themselves as a what you would consider almost like an orthodox or conventional church, but as you progress further in, there are more unusual practices that go on. Um, I haven't looked at the stories extensively, but what from what I heard on the news, um, the student in particular was told to start distancing, start distancing themselves from friends and family, to not have conversations and things with them, and far weirder and unusual stuff continued on from that. And it did make me think about what things would you have to look out for or warning flags that would allude to perhaps someone that you may know being in a quote-unquote church setting that is not necessarily a normal Christian congregation of saints but a far deeper and more occult or far more wayward sort of uh, vein of the Christian faith as it were and what sort of telltale signs you'll be able to find generally across the medium um, if you were to approach anybody who came from this sort of background. The reason why I bring this up and um, it kind of has some weight to myself is because a few years ago um, me and my wife had some very pleasant young men come to our door they said they were Christians, they believed that Jesus Christ was the, the Son of God and um, they said they were Mormons. At the time, I know that I had had a few, or well, I say a few, maybe one or two conversations with Mormons in the past, but not enough to get a deep enough understanding of what their fundamentals in terms of their faith were. but. But the things that were kind of portrayed on TV, like through Home and Away and other sort of poppers like that, I know it's a very, very, very poor place to take reference for spiritual well-being and spiritual growth. But when the quotes I heard was, oh, well, you know, we're on the same team, we're just playing the sport differently, or something along those lines. So me being very open to, you know, having conversations with other believers um, we invited them to we had, well we had a conversation that lasted about 20 minutes or so that was um, very interesting it's a very light hearted very friendly uh, so we decided you know what we might be worth us having a like a sit down conversation between me yourselves my wife so we can get like a greater understanding of yourselves and um, how we can help each other in the faith as it were uh, so they came on a few weeks later when I wasn't at work on the weekend and we began to have a discussion on um, or at least we were preparing to have a discussion on the things that we agreed on as quote-unquote Christians now at this point um, as me being a very in inverted commas a professing Christian I wasn't reading my Bible I certainly didn't have any sort of um, detailed understanding of scriptures or books in the Bibles or certain verses or anything like that I just said I was a Christian on the outside but wasn't living a transformed life 
under the influence of the Holy Spirit at any point. So, um, but despite that, I was aware of Pastor, Pastor Jeff Durbin of Apology Church in the US and seeing, and seeing some of the debates that he had had with Mormons and as I was looking into kind of what the Mormon faith was about I had come to realize that the things that I thought we would believe to be fundamentals weren't necessarily the same so as our conversations went further and further on um, they wouldn't necessarily touch on deeper things that they um, that they believed in but I, those are the sorts of things that we need pressing on to find out whether we kind of believe the same thing so um, one of the things I was told was that they are very emotional so they say that if you um, if you want to know if the Bible is true pray to God and when you have this warm feeling or like a positive feeling in your heart you know it's true me as myself I well especially now I try not to allow feelings to determine what is true or not when it comes to the Bible and in life I think it's 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 expanded and somewhat, somewhat um, altered how I approach situations also in my normal day-to-day -day practical life also. But as we were debating certain parts of the Bible, they would use certain scriptures um, that I wouldn't have a defense for because I wasn't reading my Bible. So I remember rightly that was speaking about a rod that was somewhat divided into but when you unite them it, this is this one of this tribe and one of this tribe I didn't know what they were talking about they came up with lots of diagrams and stuff that would um, enforce that point um, and as we're kind of talking back and forth this as well we say that we believe that Jesus is is Lord and you know he's the son of God because obviously got the Holy Spirit and things like that but then had it not been for Jeff Demon, I would have probably just accepted everything they said because they were honestly very, very pleasant guys. I can't knock them for what they were doing. They've come, I know that some of their missionaries come from the US to come over here um, to kind of fulfill the gospel in some way, shape, or form, even though it's not the true gospel in hindsight. But I had to commend them for the fact that they, they do travel because. Um, there isn't a lot of gospel outreach um, that I've experienced with me growing up and I certainly wasn't doing it myself at that stage either um, and I'm certainly working towards trying to, to do that more now um, especially in the places like my workplace and things like that and I have to commend them for the fact that they're brave enough to be able to go out with sounds bad, with another gospel uh, they, motivated enough to at least try and share something though it's not true um, but yeah had it not been for Jeff Durbin I wouldn't have noticed or even that looked at their church history and how things have come about and discovering things about like Joseph Smith and the things that he had gone through and the occult stuff that he was practicing and the fundamental beliefs that they have because obviously they say that they believe the word of God is true so far as it's translated correctly I have come to realise that that actually carries more weight than I thought it did way back but um, they don't just rest on the Bible they use the Book of Mormon which is obviously an interpretation um, an extra biblical interpretation that skews the, the Bible as it is and obviously we understand from scripture that you shouldn't add or take away from the scripture because uh, there are ramifications involved with that but they also don't mention the... There's another book that I don't mention, My Name Fails Me, um, that has their more fundamental um, beliefs and doctrines in there. So uh, the things that I found quite stark was, yes, they believe Jesus to be the Son of God, but they believe that Satan is um, his brother and God the Father has a wife and he has children so Jesus isn't the only son of God 
alongside Satan, there are many, and that when they die, um, should they have um, worked hard enough to um, allow themselves to be proven as acceptable to God alongside the work of Christ, so they believe in a salvation by works sort of um, uh, theology, that they too will be exalted to the the office, as it were, of a deity where they create their own universe, their own earth, and do the same thing that they believe God does now, so make more offspring for them to be worshipped and things like that. Obviously none of this is found in the Bible, but their extra literature kind of enforces all of these views, but um, of the course of the conversation I've had with these um, these lovely gentlemen uh, obviously the conversation got more heated because I'm trying to press on the fact that although we say that we are believers we don't actually believe the same thing and I think the conversations went over the course of about two maybe two and a half weeks maybe pushing three and um, I had to be quite honest with them in the fact that it's as well do you believe that I am not a Christian because I believe that I am saved through or potentially saved through the faith of um, by faith alone through Christ they said no you have to be we can only regard you as saved if you um, accept essentially what we believe and the conversations actually boiled down from there and bridges began to be burned we did fall out because they thought I was just pressing I wasn't trying to hear their side of the story it was just a case I'm pressing on the things that they don't have a defense for trying to encourage them to consider the things that we're talking about when I had no idea or no concept of Christian faith myself at that point either but um, it did throw me into the realm of first of all I didn't know Christianity enough to be able to defend it and also if I were to be in an environment where people say that they believe in Jesus Christ that at face value in my ignorance I could just accept that these guys are of the faith also without necessarily not saying you have to check but yeah it is good to test the spirit as it were to find out whether the things that they actually believe are true um, so it was very interesting how when um, this new heaven and earth Korean cult was being mentioned in the in the news it made me reflect on that situation so I'm gonna just um, touch on a few things that I think should help at least give you a broader a better idea of some of the potential things that should allude to say if you have a friend who is going to a church um, or you are looking for a church and you end up in something that isn't necessarily orthodox that you might be able to pinpoint certain things one of the very first things um, that is noticeable in a cult is that they have one central charismatic leader in the case of uh, the new heaven and earth church it is the founder called Lee Man Lee he's a self-proclaimed messiah and he proclaims to be the only one who can decipher the secret prophecies of the of the bible he's also uh, depicting himself as being the promised pastor from the Bible, whatever that means. It is usually the case with cults that the leader is usually seen as infallible, so always right, and they're the ones you always go to get the answers from or to understand where where that church is going or the things that should be going on or how things should be viewed. I guess another good reference for this would be Joseph Smith, the fact that he's talked quite highly of the fact that his, um, his premise for even starting Mormonism 
was the fact that he was told or he alluded to the fact that he had a divine visitation God told him that all versions of Christianity are false and I'm choosing you as I think it must have been in his teens if not a smaller uh, younger child to start what is to at least his knowledge to be the one true variation of Christianity and you kind of see that with other sects and um, cults where you have a a leader who could be exhibiting gifts or um, is able to perform some form of miracles and he is essentially put on a pedestal as a means of um, allowing that church to, to operate and not too far off the back of that is as I've alluded to with uh, this Korean cult is that their recruitment tactics are very very deceptive so with the well um, there's a I'd like to use the story of um, one of the, the um, girls we got on the team who um, was looking for a church base where she's, she's studying and she found one that seemed like it was great but um, as she came to learn more about them it was very much a case of okay well if you're going to join you can't talk to anybody on the outside or if you're looking to get married you're going to have to marry somebody who is within this congregation and you can't mix with any anybody else and we don't regard similar to the Mormons but because you don't fit our criteria for salvation you are going to have to redo everything again because from our worldview we consider you to be a sinner those are the sorts of tactics they have in order to 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 roll it in so you do get this air of um, exclusivity in the faith that this is a one true denomination and everything else is essentially false and it's ours that you need to follow if you want to um, you want to be saved because obviously the Bible kind of alludes to that but then I guess the the means of how they do it um, or at least the means of how they operate as a church is through intimidation, fear and isolation uh, obviously as believers or even Jesus said that he will, people will know that we are a part of him that we are his adopted children through the blood and the work of the cross through our love for one another obviously this is a stark contrast to how the these cults work where it's yeah in, intimidation fear um, threatening behavior um, being oppressive or isolating members if they um, have concerns and certainly I could say with um, with the Mormon faith it's almost as if they're taught not to I don't want to say not the words not to think but um, I guess the best word would be to, to deconstruct their faith they don't yeah they don't deconstruct the faith to find out what is true and what isn't so um, they have it's either a case of they have a level of faith where they feel like they don't need to question it or um, they are kind of taught not to at least ask questions for things they don't understand or just to to touch on to make sure that they, they can still man certain things okay I know that this is true or oh I was asked this what's the answer to this or does this person have a point or is there different viewpoints to this sort of thing that tends to be something that you see um, in that sort of sort of environment I guess there are certain orthodox churches that would somewhat touch on these certain flags that bears at least paying attention to um, and that probably brings us quite swiftly or allows us to segue to uh, the rise and fall of Mars Hill now I when I grew up um, as a professing Christian especially looking back I have to thank 
Marshall for in at least instilling um, or changing the trajectory of how I lived my life in regards to um, my view of manhood, um, certainly my view of dating and marriage and uh, raising a family. It did allow me to grow up um, on a on a mental scale because I guess people just date for the sake of dating whereas um, as alongside Josh Harris as well you um, try to date with intention so it's like okay so I'm going to be with this person because I'm trying to find a wife in the longer term so I don't want to be messing around and doing things like that um, and then also you know I want to focus on trying to get a job um, so then I can provide myself, provide for my family and to help us move forward along in life um, and also to kind of prepare with the the means of all the eventuality of, it, of having children in the future. Mars Hill certainly um, changed the way I was going with that and I certainly have to thank God because you can see especially when listening back to the, the sermons that are um, are being used in the rise and fall of Mars Hill you can still feel the power of God coming through the words that Mars Driscoll shared but then as you um, as you begin to journey on through the parts of the history of the church that I was not aware of because I guess there's a um, a separation with um, us living in the UK and that one, that church being based in the US that there was things I just wouldn't be privy of but one of the things at the very last episode was that one of the guys in the interview mentioned that it's like, oh, was, was Mars Hill a cult? He believes it was that thing struck me based on a little bit of preparation for this um, episode but then it was also cases of well could I could I go that far as to view it that way? But then listening to the things that um, I heard going through all the different accounts of people who experienced Mark and the different situations that they were left or they were going through and the things that he did, you begin to see this behaviour or this culture that is beginning to turn into something that could be easily considered as a cold and certainly looking back at some of these points it seems to tick off more than a few that struck me as quite dangerous and to be fair it's it has helped me solidify certain things that I'm having battling with with my faith because um, as you probably discovered in the the last episode um, I don't hold to um, the all the the views that my church denomination that I tend to believes in which kind of leaves me in a, a, a weird spot because I believe that I hold a more even though the church denomination is Pentecostal I hold a much more um, reformed uh, theology and worldview um, But the things I was hearing in the midst of the um, in the the documentary of um, Mars Hill kind of cultivated this um, this behaviour or this spirit of discernment that I don't take things as easily as I used to so um, so that with Mark I noticed that one of the, one of the very first things I'd noticed was um, this very on, early, early on in the episodes where um, I apologise I can't remember the guys names but there was three gentlemen in the car Mark being one of them sitting in this taxi I think it was in the UK at the time um, forgive me if I'm pulling this out as incorrect or taking it out of context um, they were in the car and one of the guys was mystified that um, these guys outside of the taxi wanted to take pictures and have 
um, autographs of Mark Driscoll. He said, oh, it's really funny that, you know, these guys want to do this with you. And it's like, oh, well, and Mark responded, well, I am kind of a big deal. That was the first warning sign for me that, um, as it transpires, that Mark was a bit of a, and well, I say a bit, um, he has narcissistic tendencies. So um, he's very enveloped around himself, um, in a sense. And he's, the second thing for me was um, his use of scripture. Uh, there's a few uh, instances where he would use scripture to, um, where he would use himself as the main context. So he would pull the scripture out, complete it out of its context, and he will make himself the main person in whatever um, scripture he was using to almost... Uh, foreshadow something he was about to do or something was going on at the time um, one of the ones that I remember more clearly was apparently he was um, in Damascus or like on the road to Damascus he was doing a sermon there the guys say that you know the production team were um, recording this the sun was setting really nicely and as he was going through something he mentioned something about oh um, you've abandoned your first love and continued on, continued on, continued on, and he joked about it, so, oh, you know, it's very, um, very fun funny you mentioned that, and then it turns out, he said, oh, well, do you think, and then he turned to his other team, uh, teammates, and it's, it just transpired that he kind of got this inkling that Mark wasn't necessarily using the scripture in context, but rather he was using that with regards to um, how they have somewhat changed the course of following Mark's directive in how he wanted to see the church. Um, and as you see over the course of the the journey of uh, Mars Hill, Mark's focus initially was very much like Christ-focused. You know, he wanted it all to be gospel-focused, so it was all about the transformative work of Jesus Christ through on the cross. And um, I guess, especially listening to those sermons again, it kind of humbles you because it's like um, sometimes Jesus can get lost <laughs> in the ventures that we we do have either as churches or as individuals or on podcasts like these, where the the person who I guess, like, could always accuse myself of an example. I could easily become the um, the center stage, or try to make myself the selling point for whatever sort of project thing that I'm trying to pursue. I may brand it as Christian or brand it as Christ-like or gospel-focused, but really, the gospel isn't the center. It's being used as a counterbalance for. Um, my ego essentially um and one of the things that stuck with me was um especially for those who um follow our instagram page uh, was there was one post where it was poised that jesus should not be standing in our shadow that should be so big enough as it is but it should always be a constant reminder that it's we don't do this for us like we don't just see the cross and think oh yeah he's transformed us and then we think that the rest of the journey um, is done on our own I strongly believe that on this Christian walk the cross shouldn't be something that you remember from years ago it should be, should be I see yeah, it shouldn't be something that's behind you it should be something that is guiding you always in front because the only reason why we are even on this walk is because of what Christ has done on the cross for us so it would be highly foolish of us to think that the cross is merely just a gate for us to get on this road for us to continue doing as we please the only reason why we're on this road is because of him so um, and the, um, one of the songs I really love that kind of reminds me of that is Be Thou My Vision so I do like to listen to that occasionally just so that it's almost like an affirmation um, of spiritual discipline that 
Jesus must always be the vision. I don't want to be like Peter who takes his eyes off Christ and um, gets swallowed up in the sea beneath me. The only reason why I'm able to actually walk on the water, or the only reason why Peter was able to walk on the water is because he was focused on Christ and we should have that same mindset also. As you can see, um, if you have been following the, the podcast, that although, and you, I don't know whether it's a personal thing, where as long as we are hearing the name Jesus Christ, gospel, uh, maybe repent every now and again, sin and death, that um, as long as those things are almost ticked off or we hear those regularly, um, it passes our litmus test and anything else can go ahead. Um, we'll overlook all of that. Um, I think I'm guilty of that myself. Um, and not necessarily, or at least I'm trying to, trying to allow the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of discernment to, to work through everything and to comb through everything carefully. So I think, um, as I'm probably experiencing more recently, is that um, I thought the journey of deconstruction was just a almost like a pit stop so you got your F1 car you go into the pits they'll change your tyres do whatever and then you go ship out again it actually feels like it's an ongoing process and it, I feel like it should be an ongoing process I shouldn't just think okay I'll just do this bit now is there anything wrong okay that's cool let's continue on because I can gather up dirt as I'm trying to um, dig deeper into scripture and trying to learn more and trying to find out what the essential truths are and the things that can benefit my faith or the things that are false or the things that I've made of myself it would be again highly foolish of me to think that I've got everything sussed out and I can just pick up everything I think that's probably why we have scriptures like work out your salvation with fear and trembling to make sure that um, you know you test the spirit that everything that is good everything that's um true and things like that are being focused on and you are constantly analyzing yourself not in a like a hypocritical way but it's just to make sure that um i'm not straying away from the truth and that i am holding to the truth as best as i can and in that truth i am seeing the transformative work of of the holy spirit in me or in us um, one of the other things um, and I guess it's kind of loosely tied to the fact that um, to this subject is the, the charismatic side of um, marking himself like I'm not trying to tell his name but um, you see of the journey um because he regards himself as well, especially in the early stages, especially off um, off the back of um, theological giants like um, Timothy Keller and um, certainly John Piper with his young, young and um, is it called young and restless uh, Calvinistic sort of viewpoint there, and how that all bloomed from there several years ago. He was very much in that line of, okay, these are the essential truths for me. But then over the journey, his viewpoint changes. So um, where we should have been taking counsel from those who were, um, who didn't have the luxury of like the internet and these different mediums to be able to elevate themselves or to expand the church in a sort of very short amount of time. That um, although he was a very gifted speaker, you know the 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 angry shouty sort of person was um sort of persona was something that was almost unheard of I believe at that time so it was very unique to him um so he kind of shared that that gift of preaching as it were or um he had that charisma in the biblical sense um of like a, a spiritual gift um but he lacked the character that could bear the weight Oh, the, uh, that could bear the weight of the responsibility of that so you could see in the podcast how 
he says uh, many times that oh I'm not taking any um, advice or any any instruction from anyone who has a smaller church than me that is another flag for me because um, it's interesting how he f it almost becomes a part of the church culture where it's all about focusing on the numbers, 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 numbers. We had so many people attend this service. We had so many people attend this service. We had so many people attend this service. We've got so many people being baptized on this week and on next week we've got these many people listed up to do the same thing. Um, it became more about the numbers and the fact that, oh, we want to go to church, but not necessarily looking at the condition of the hearts who were being... Um, being quote-unquote converted into this church. The reason why I bring this up because it feels like a very stark contrast to to Jesus um, and it's something it's mentioned in the podcast also, it's like Jesus preached um, to a vast amount of people and as he was preaching many of them got up and decided they were just going to leave, they'd had enough or they'd been, um, they'd been offended while he was preaching this message says that well if Jesus can preach his message and um, people got convicted, offended and walked off was Mark able to do something that Jesus was um, Jesus wasn't able to do which is a quote that I guess um, Kevin Burgess or KB mentioned in one of his sermons um, so the yeah as he was going over the journey of um of the course of Mars Hill, he certainly, although he's had his roots in Calvinism, he um, began to gravitate to being a more charismatic sort of um, of person. So he more frequently would say, "Oh, you know, God told me that this was going to happen," or "God showed me that this was going to happen," or "I see these vivid visions and things like that." Um, these are things that, I guess, because of my my um, my church history, I guess you could call it, um, I kind of grew up around, because I guess being in a Pentecostal church, you kind of see um, that they focus on spiritual gifts and um, things like that, and you kind of just grow up around them. You don't necessarily understand them, um, but or, or like the origins or the what, how it all came about in the church history and why these things are believed and things like that. You just kind of accept them to be a part of life, really, um, but you don't see how the ripple effects of those sorts of things um, affect you further on down the line. So, as this church is continuing to grow and begin to do th um, more things, I think it's when they do the demon trials where you begin to see more of what this charismatic side was doing with um, with the church members specifically with the women because it tends to be more targeted um, around them and them almost being the cause of the problems in things like marriages and things like that that um, like the spiritual or like the charismatic side or the spiritual gift sort of side gets, kept tapped, gets tapped into so um, because of the the history and environment the, dominate, the denomination that I'm in I Especially after hearing how it affected Mars Hill, it's kind of something I was doing to begin with, but I'd certainly doing more so now. Is that um, I try to be more cautious. It's probably a poor word to use, um, but a failure of a better word to use. Yeah, I would say cautious of people who say they exhibit the spiritual gifts. Because I can't always guarantee that it is um, God working. It could just be um, an emotional thing, and I understand that there sometimes <laughs> feels like there's a fine line between trying to decipher what the two of um, which side of that um, that line it actually works in. So I do for myself. I guess it's it's almost like a test in the spirit, making sure that everything is true before you receive it. Um, making sure that things are consistent with with scripture um, because ultimately that is our only authority because it's given to us by God so that, that should theoretically be the only thing that we're working 
on and working through and basing stuff on and seeing um, and forming our, our worldview with. And as um, it goes over the course of the um, course of the the podcast, one of the things that stuck out to me, and I guess it's probably a more universal problem, is um, how we and I know for definite I've been doing this, and I think even even more recently, how we put on we put people who are passionate about the faith or exhibiting gifts on a pedestal and then when something happens or they do something that um, deeply hurts us or offends us our our faith crumbles so it's almost as if our faith wasn't in Jesus Christ our faith was in this person who says they are following Jesus Christ and I think it's through trying to understand and unravel that in my head how I kind of come to understand when Jesus talks about oh there will be um, many false Christs um, people who if understand understanding who Christ was someone who's come to set the record straight for us um, to to do things in our lives to transform us to change our lives um, for the better that there are people who are proclaimed to do or to have this new revelation that he's given by God to be able to to go on this mission this divine mission that has been set out before them um, that's something that's mentioned and clearly seen in um, the in the rise and fall of Mars Hill um, and the to stop me from boring the ears off I'll leave it wind upon this bit and maybe revisit this at another stage um, but the the main thing I carried away was, um, especially in light of um, our previous episode on um, the ministry of Judas, how God just works in the background of what can be almost chaos at any given point. So um, understanding now and getting the fuller picture of like Mark Driscoll and the things he struggles with. Um, and certainly how the church just folded overnight when he decided to resign and how he just took up things um, like finances and all that and moved and started another church called, um, it's called like Trinity Church or something like that and the amount of lives that were devastated or destroyed because of how the church was run in such an oppressive way you hear in little glimpses of how Jesus is working in people's lives or restoring them despite what's going on and it's almost as if it's like well like I said in the previous episode Jesus elected Judas to be one of the twelve he was given authority to transform people's lives to prove that he was Lord and that he was the Christ come to to pay for our sins so Judas had seen many many lives transformed by his own hands people um, who were oppressed by demons they were cast out um, people being healed uh, with sicknesses um, all these miraculous things like you know people's hearts being changed you know God's elect being um being saved from eternal damnation by his hands but he never experienced that himself the the complexity of the fact that God can choose people I'm not, yeah, I don't want to it's, it's a narrative versus normative sort of thing but it's just the prospect of should I keep my mind open to the fact that even well certainly unbelievers but definitely bad believers God still works through them and um, can still help cultivate um, cultivate you, transform you um, continue to push you on your journey of sanctification through people who well the end nobody's perfect and certainly nobody's good but people who you would never expect to have um, 
have um, put in your life to sort of help in that sort of situation. But I guess it kind of adds, it seems to be scripturally consistent, like God had elected people who you would never have thought to to be a part of his greater story. Um, and it's kind of opened my mind up to the greater mysteries of God's character, um, his will, how his will works alongside the choices that we make. Um, based on our understanding of him or the lack of understanding we have on him uh, and it certainly like understanding the greater scope of um, of the rise and falls of rise and fall of Mars Hill that even us doing this podcast has its potential dangers um, I could easily make the fundamentals that I believe um yeah, I'm, I'm, we just as have as much danger of making the non-essentials essentials or making the non-fundamentals fundamentals or tying them in somehow, similar to how like um, uh, the Jews try to introduce um, circumcision to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I feel like we almost have that sort of um, innate nature in us to try and add certain things to make it better for ourselves in some way, shape or form. But that's always the sort of thing I was just like, the gospel is pretty much Jesus plus nothing. Um, and we come to him with nothing because he's done that for us, but then God seeks us out and he transforms us through the through the Holy Spirit. And when we do drift away from the gospel being our centre things do get very awkward and very weird so I think that's probably where um, one of my struggles are when it comes to um, when it comes to I don't want to say the denomination because we yeah because I guess the denomination has the, the at least the also, I guess a large portion, if you look at it as a global scale, has a, um, a serious problem with, um, well, it's considered the fact, I think I mentioned this in one of the very early episodes where I had to edit it out because I, I didn't feel brave enough to be able to share it, but it's statistical fact that, you know, the um, Pentecostal slash charismatic movement is the fastest growing um, in the world by far, I think it's only 150 years old, maybe less, and it has 500 million, um, 500 million people within that movement, but uh, within that movement, the core part is about spiritual experience, not necessarily about um, adhering to the sufficiency of scripture, and um, no, the one, and I guess all denominations have their faults, but I can only speak about the one that I am, um, I know the most about. But it's unfortunate that the fruits um, of this denomination are the likes of, um, like the oneness, Pentecostals, so people like T.D. Jakes, um, like the name it and claim it, um, the name it and claim it doctrines, the, pros- the prosperity gospels, um, the like far more liberal things like shall I have female pastors and things like that uh, kind of have their roots in um, in the charismatic movement and I think that's probably one of the things that made me realise that this journey of deconstruction isn't just a, like I said, a pit stop it's a constant journeying because now I feel like I need to be very a lot more hands on with my faith than already was not that I wasn't before but I have to be even more so now and it's almost like a fine tooth comb sort of level now of just making sure that the things I'm learning um, and the things I'm trying to discover in scripture is consistent with scripture that it's um, almost that nothing I'm picking up is coming out of myself um, it's not a private revelation that I'm trying to conjure up that is actually what the um, what the the author, you know, the, the God of the universe, the true and living God, Yahweh, has um, given us through the preservation of the manuscripts and the um, influence of the Holy Spirit 
of the writers who have crafted um, these wonderfully inspired um, manuscripts which have given us our Bible that we can still be transformed by the same power was evident in the times of the writing of the manuscripts but also was also very present from before time even um, became um, something tangible. I think I'll leave it here for now um, because uh, I don't want to chew your ear off and you probably hate hearing my voice for this long period of time. <laughs> um, but I just thought I would shed some light on this very um, interesting subject and I'm sure there is still more um, to unpack with this. Um, I'll certainly have to give it some more thought um, and anything else that I unpack um, as I revisit the entire podcast that I still might be worth sharing um, and having discussions with. That'd be great. I was hoping that more people would be able to join on this conversation, but uh, I think I'm the only person who has managed to finish the entirety of the podcast at this stage. So um, I thought I would at least share the things that I have learned um, or I've remembered to share with yourselves and hope that might, might be more beneficial, but then also kind of give context to the conversations we've had. Not only in the past, but certainly in the last episode with the things that are going on. But this podcast isn't about me. It's about us trying to learn about what the the Bible says and what God is trying to say to us. Um, so again, I, I do thank you all for, for listening and for holding out this long and for journeying on through us while we continue to make more podcast episodes like these. Um, our next episode should be... Um, recordings of this this Q&A session um, if you do have any questions whatsoever by all means you can um, I'll leave a link in the description of this podcast um, or if you're following us on Instagram you can send any of your questions through to the private message thing on there and we should be able to pick it up from there also um, but until the next one um, if I don't um, see you before Christmas I hope you have a wonderful Christmas um, I'll probably say the same thing again on the, on the next episode but yeah I hope you have a wonderful Christmas a um, wonderful new year and I hope that no matter where you are in the world God continues to bless you continues to keep you and continues to reveal himself to you through his word and continues to transform you through his Holy Spirit and yeah I will see you guys on the next one and until then take care and God bless